It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. This was a bipartisan action. Thirteen House Republicans broke ranks with party leadership. A House finally passed the trillion dollar bipartisan infrastructure bill. Six Democrats voting against it and 13 Republicans bucking their party leadership. Roads and bridges and tunnels and ports. I'm happy to have joined with my colleagues to support this. For my district in particular, I mean, the money in there can be used for all sorts of projects. And I look forward to working with my local legislators to identify what priorities we're gonna unite on. All right, so that was a CNN taking a victory lap when the House, I think late night last Friday, uh, passed this uh, trillion-dollar infrastructure bill, uh, taking a victory lap. Thirteen of the Republican House members voted in favor of this, and uh, the mystery is that it is this is linked to a reconciliation bill. This is this is on the Hill talk. It's hard to understand, but it will affect each and every life uh, listening to us. Um, one congressman who did not vote for this, and we're going to get into the weeds of it, is Congressman Chip Roy. He is uh, the congressman from the 21st District of the state of Texas. That includes Austin. I first met Congressman Roy when he was chief of staff for some other sort of well-known person named Ted Cruz. And uh, Chip was so effective in his role that when uh, um, Ted Cruz ran for president, Chip decided to throw his hat in the ring for Congress. It's been a hard Fought battle for him because he is in Austin, at least in part, and they're very extremely liberal. And you know that they've tried and tried to get Chip uh, challenged and out of office, but he comes out swinging every time, and he has continued to swing on behalf of the American people ever since. And he joins us this morning. Good morning, Chip. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sandy. Uh, great to be with you as always, but happy to do it from the great state of Texas. Yeah, for a change, you guys are on recess. Well, recess, you're home working, but not, not in D.C. working. Hey, before we jump into the, the, the issue we want to talk about first, I'm going to ask you about the recent elections. You know, we're all pumped about what happened in Virginia and other states. Even Connecticut had some great results. But I, I actually promoted the election in Texas. I know it wasn't statewide races, but I know nothing about the results there. Did you guys have any good results on Election Day of last week? Well, you know, uh, it wasn't a, an enormous election for us uh, uh, with respect to uh, issues here. We had one really disappointing result, which I'll probably focus on the most, which is Proposition A in Austin, Texas. When the rest of the country was going in the right direction uh, and pushing back on school boards and, you know, uh, what happened in Virginia and standing up with law enforcement, Austin refused to stand alongside law enforcement and ensure we have plenty of cops in Austin, Texas. So we've got more work to do there. We'd had a good vote earlier this spring. So that's what we got to do. I think there were some other good votes around the state of Texas in terms of school boards. I think we took over a few. There was another good result up in South Lake near Dallas, uh, which was very encouraging. So there's a lot of good things going on, but Austin remains the blueberry and the tomato soup. That, that is stupid. <laughs> 
it's still kind of funny. But anyway, all right, Congressman, uh, let me just read a couple of quotes to you. Back to this infrastructure bill, which was passed Friday night. Uh, Rachel Bovard of Conservative Partnership Institute wrote how 31 Republicans just betrayed the country to reward illegal immigration, worsen inflation, and pay off Democrats' donors. And in National Review, Phil Klein called the move by these 13 Republicans in the House political malpractice and a betrayal. Do you think that's an overstatement by either of them? Well, I know both of them. Uh, I know Rachel particularly well. And uh, no, uh, look, the, 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 and, and look, I, I know some of these 13, and I've got, I'm friends with some of these 13, but uh, there's no excuse for it, uh, and there needs to be consequences. Uh, it's not just about the substance of the bill, which in and of itself was enough to oppose because it's littered with all sorts of Green, green New Deal uh, uh, provisions that will require electric cars and, you know, mass transit in the Northeast and has uh, all sorts of stuff in there that will advance the woke uh, culture. You know, you had Pete Buttigieg just the other day talking about racist bridges. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And, and this bill would empower Pete Buttigieg. I mean, I want to be clear about this. Those Republicans voted to give more power to the federal government, the Department of Transportation, and Pete Buttigieg. They cannot deny that. They did that. They voted for Green New Deal provisions, they voted for more woke stuff, and they voted for a massive expansion of federal power. So, yes, you should oppose it on the substance, but that's not even the real reason. The biggest reason is that Greece the skids for a massive social uh, welfare state remaking of our country in which the, uh, you know, so-called Build Back Better, which is, you know, Build Back BS, uh, that bill uh, will have a massive impact on our society, and they know it. It has a massive amnesty in it. It has uh, literally hundreds of billions of dollars of expenditure, like 500 and something billion dollars to advance what really is the engine of the Green New Deal, universal family leave, step towards Medicare for all with massive expansion of Medicare, Medicaid, and uh, uh, Obamacare subsidies, and an, an enormous number of provisions in it that would uh, advance the, the world of critical race theory and the woke ideology and so forth. So uh, Republicans knew it. They betrayed us, in my opinion. They betrayed the country by uh, supporting this when they didn't have to. I totally agree. And I actually, I'm going to read the names because I want people to know. I read part a partial list yesterday. Uh, we do have elections coming up. Uh, in Congress, uh, these people run every two years. Uh, Congressman Roy certainly knows about that. It's a pain for them. It's a terrible pain, but it does make them accountable. Representative Bacon from Nebraska, Representative Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania, Representative Gabarino from New York, Representative Gonzalez from Ohio, Katko from New York, Kinzinger from Illinois, Maliotakis from New York, McKinley from West Virginia, Reed from New York, Smith, Chris Smith, I don't know what Kool-Aid he's been drinking, but he's made some horrible votes in the last few years. He's been a pro-life champion for years, but he's off the rails on much of this. He voted yes. Representative Upton, Upton also off the rails for years, Fred Upton. V- Representative Van Drew from New Jersey and Representative Young uh, from, I believe, Alaska. I don't think that, I think that's Alaska. And so those are the ones in the House who voted? I guess the question, part of the question, Chip, is um, how did Kevin McCarthy, how was he not able to hold his caucus together? How did these 13 go so rogue? Well, let me start with the 
harder ones, right? There are at least three of the 13 you just rattled off who have already announced they're leaving Congress, right? Adam Kinzinger, Tom Reed, Anthony Gonzalez, right? So they already have their foot out the door. So there's less leverage there. Now, you still got a year in Congress. You've got some leverage. Uh, and I, I just think that uh, uh, Kevin should have used that. Um, but for the other 10, there's no excuse. And, and let's, let's really paint the picture very clearly about what John Katko did. He has been given the ability to chair the American Security Task Force for Kevin McCarthy to set the agenda for 2023. He is the ranking member uh, for the Republicans on the Homeland Security Committee. And uh, Katko, he not only voted for this garbage, he went on the board early. He did it on purpose. He did it because he was apparently, according to one story I wrote, I read, I rate that Jim Banks went on TV and was criticizing this terrible bill. And then Catco went and voted early. By voting early, he then gave the keys to the kingdom, to the squad, uh, AOC and all of her liberal uh, ilk, to vote no. So you had Catco lead and then a number follow where they went on the board first. They would have voted no. So this isn't a jailbreak, right? This isn't, and that'd be bad enough. I wouldn't excuse a jailbreak. And by jailbreak, I mean, once they knew it was going to pass, they decided to go vote for it because it's some, you know, they view it as good for their state. I disagree with that, but fine. You know, that, that, that kind of thing happens. But no, no, Catco and others went and they voted early on the board and they gave this vote. They gave this bill to Pelosi and the Democrats. It is on them and no one else. You know, just to be specific about that, so I think six of the squad, the squad and a few others voted against it because they had said all along, I guess it didn't go far enough for them. And also they did not want to vote on that without the reconciliation bill, which I hope we'll get to in just a second, a little bit more. <clears throat> so six of them did not. If they, if the these 13 Republicans had not voted in favor of the infrastructure bill, would the bill have passed if the six uh, of the, the squad had, uh, squad plus had voted against it? Mathematically, it would not have passed. Uh, in principle, you never know until you hold strong and you find out whether or not you would have forced the uh, squad to cave. I would have liked the result either way better than the result we gave them. In other words, I don't believe they would have passed it. AOC and the squad was pretty out there saying that they were opposed to this literally late in that day, quotes out in the media. So we gave them a walk. We gave them a pass. I say we, I mean Catco and those others of those 13. So my point is, we, we don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure it would not have passed. And if, if it would have, we should have forced it to be passed by their votes. You know, I think the thing, the evidence that supports your theory is the gleeful joy that the White House greeted this vote with, like unexpected surprise that all of these Republicans helped them. And also uh, uh, the, the Transportation Secretary, who's uh, Buttigieg, uh, was just almost speechless. He was so excited. So I think that you're absolutely right that this would not have passed. It was Republicans who caused this to pass. But you know what? We can't just blame it on the House. Your former boss, and I know current friend Ted Cruz, was on with Laura Ingram last night, and he described what had happened in the Senate in regard to this. This is clip four. Let's listen. 
Look, it was crazy in the Senate for about two months. We had massive arguments over this bill. I mean, screaming arguments at lunch. We have lunch together every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday together, all the Senate Republicans. And and there were about a third of the Senate Republicans who ended up voting for this. And they would stand up and they would pitch all the terrific things that are in there. They'd pitch roads and bridges. And, and listen, Laura, roads and bridges are popular. 110 billion of this bill are roads and bridges. I suggested fine. If you like roads and bridges, I like roads and bridges. Let's pass 110 billion in roads and bridges and throw away the other trillion that is in this bill. They didn't want to do that. It's like it's like the old con man who sells you the Brooklyn Bridge over and over and over again. It's always about the bridge. And and I stood up in these lunches repeatedly and I said, "Why are you making it easier for Bernie Sanders to bankrupt this country?" and jam his socialist agenda down the throats of the American people. And and the Republicans who voted for this, they said, no, 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 no. When this passes, it will be harder for Bernie to do that. And, and I remember I responded to them, Laura. I said, well, look, if you got this as a deal, we'll do this instead of the Bernie Sanders budget. I could understand that reasoning. That actually, right. uh, th- there would be some force to that. But you got it, nothing. They gave up nothing. They said, zero. we'll pass this. And then we'll pass everything else on top of it. What the heck is that deal getting you? Uh, That was Ted Cruz with Laura Ingram. Now, I want to read, indulge me for a second, Congressman. I want to read the names of the senators who had earlier voted for this. And the reason I'm reading them to you is because if you want to know why your country is falling apart, you can lay it at the feet of the people whose names I'm going to read. And that includes the ones in Congress that I just read. Uh, who have somehow entrenched themselves in their, you know, their leather chairs, uh, in their, their, and are doing very well personally, and really could care less about you or the country. Otherwise, they would not be voting this way. And that would include Lindsey Graham, Richard Burr, Shelley Moore Capito, Susan Collins, Mike Crapo, Kevin Kramer, Deb Fisher, Chuck Grassley, John uh, Hoven, Mitch McConnell, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman, Jim Risch, Dan Sullivan, Tom Tillis, Roy Blunt, Roger Wicker, and Mitt Romney. They all need to go. They all need to go. We'll be right back after this. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Andy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Want to defend their own families, take care of their families. And now you got the government in its infinite wisdom coming in and trying to do propaganda to encourage kids to do superheroes. Pfizer actually ran a commercial calling kids superheroes for going and doing this and getting the vaccine. It's it's absurd. This is why I publicly said I will take no money from Pfizer. I'm not going to take any money from a company Mm. that's going to engage in that kind of propaganda. And frankly, I think Republicans, including the 13 who abandoned us on Friday and left us hanging in the wind, we need Republicans to stand up and say that we're not going to fund government on December 3rd with the continuing resolution if these mandates stay in place. So I'm calling on my colleagues to stand strong and not fund a government that's going to go do propaganda on our kids and put these unconstitutional mandates in place. 
All right, so that, that is our guest, Congressman Chip Roy, uh, swinging away, as he always does, and uh, making it very clear about what the problems are. Oh, if there were more of them. You know, there are lots of great congressmen right now, I think, serving. Don't you think, Congressman Roy, you've got a great freshman class and a lot of people that are yeah. fighting, don't you? Yeah, we've, we, we've been growing that, uh, that base of people who are actually fighting for the American people, the forgotten men and women out there. Most of them are in the Freedom Caucus. There's a couple others, guys like Thomas Massey and a few others who aren't technically in the Freedom Caucus, but it's a good group. We've got at least 30 or 40, I think, that I think you can generally rely on to want to stand up for the American people, but we got to grow those numbers and, and get people who are willing to fight. I, I cannot tell you how many times I have colleagues come down to the floor and go, well, you know, you're delaying my flight by forcing another vote, or, you know, you made me have to run back from a dinner. I'm like, oh, well, hell's bells. Forgive me for making you miss a dinner or miss your flight because I'm trying to sit here and stand up for the American people who are tired of you guys uh, rolling over them and ignoring why they sent you to Washington in the first place. Yeah. Well, that is how bad it is, and that's why we're in this mess. I, I want to, if we could make something clear in a very short period of time, <laughs> this is a challenge. Because we've already always known that this infrastructure bill was tied at the hip to the spending bill, now known as the reconciliation bill, because the Democrats want to pass it as a reconciliation procedure, which simply means their massive spending bill can pass with 51 votes. The filibuster won't apply for because of various Senate rules. Okay, so uh, why then... The left said, and Nancy Pelosi said, and the squad said, and I think the president even said, uh, that they would not pass one of these bills without passing the other. That's why the squad kind of lay, you know, set out on the passage of this one, because they wanted both together. Well, so the inference is here, and of those I'm writing, Rachel Bovard's one of them, that now uh, this has greased the skids for passing the reconciliation bill. I don't understand why that necessarily means uh, that why this would be the case, Chip. How did this grease the skids for that next bill? Why does it have to be that way? Well, I think it's a little bit what my former boss, Senator Cruz, was saying on Laura last night, right? Which now there's no uh, way to box them in. Like before, we had them stuck. We had them stuck between the left side of their party and the, and the I guess, sort of more central part of their party, although I don't buy that. They're all liberals. But the radicals had control of it, right? The AOCs, the Jayapals, saying they wanted this massive spending bill. Now, let's pause for a second. Why do they want that bill so badly? Because it will fundamentally reshape America. Like, every one of your listeners needs to know this. It will fundamentally reshape America with a massive expansion of new social welfare programs, universal family leave, a massive expansion of health care. This is the step towards universal health care. Nobody's talking about that. That's what it is. It expands Medicare, expands Medicaid, and expands Obamacare subsidies all designed to get to Medicare for all, that is, universal government-run health care. It would be an amnesty for up to 7 million people. It's a massive expansion of OSHA and OSHA fines, 900% increase in fines to go after companies that uh, refuse to force their employees to get vaccinated. I could go on and on, but it reshapes America. The right now greases the skid is because now – They've got what they wanted in the infrastructure, the so-called moderates, and they're not moderate, by the way. I'm tired of these Democrats calling themselves moderate. They're not. They just voted for garbage. And you got a trillion, $2 trillion infrastructure bill. Now the left has that greased. Now they go and they go fight for what they want, which is the big 
expansive spending. And I think they'll now be able to uh, work on moving that one now that they've gotten the infrastructure bill through. Yeah, let me add also, it's 10-year amnesty for illegal immigrants. That's just another part of it, too. And, you know, uh, Chip, to your point, I want to do – forgive me for not calling you properly, Congressman Roy. Uh, I just read this morning, and you probably saw it, too, that the vaccine mandate – uh, the whole rule or whatever the, it come, whatever regulation rule, whatever they call it right now, um, would says that uh, the government now has access, will have access to the medical records of everyone who gets the vaccine, that they are required, uh, the local entities are required to turn over, you know, whatever it is, and so that the federal government has access to all of our personal medical information. That should scare all of us. And would you not say that all of these 13 House Republicans and however many senators there were whose names I rattled off are fully aware of what they just did? They know exactly what they just did, Chip. Yeah, they, they are fully aware and, and they don't care, right? That they, they hide behind things like, oh, well, I want to bring home some building or get some, you know, a bridge in my local district, and they don't care while America gets sent down the tubes. This is why we can't have nice things. Look, on your point about uh, privacy, I introduced legislation last week uh, that's the same bill that Rand Paul introduced in the Senate that would uh, limit the ability of uh, the feds to be able to have any kind of national ID or national uh, you know, medical uh, identification. Uh, we need to make sure that we don't do things like that. But let's be very clear about what's going on with these vaccine mandates. The president of the United States has zero, zero constitutional authority to mandate that a private business force their employees to get vaccinated. The president knows this. Therefore, what the president is doing is a clear abuse of power, and he is doing it purposely. He doesn't care. This is being done uh, as a power grab. It is being done purposely to force good people out of Border Patrol, force good people out of FBI. They don't care what chaos they unleash on this country, so long as they end up moving towards a massive government statist bureaucracy that's going to tell you and our families how to live. You saw it on display in Virginia, in the education system. Thankfully, the Virginia, the people of Virginia pushed back. But we've got to get busy right now recognizing that this administration is at war with freedom. They're at war with the values of our country that, that upon which it was founded. And we've got to fight back at the same ferocity that they're fighting us. Oh, I agree. And, but I also think, uh, and I know you can't say this as vociferously as I can, but I will say that our other enemy is Republican establishment. And one thing that's happening now, they, they're the reason that we have the Catcos and the Kensingers. It's because of the establishment Republicans. And I think that sometimes the enemies within the camp are more dangerous than those enemies that we can identify well, that are outside the camp. These are enemies of the country. Well, well, Sandy, if I can jump in here, I'm sorry to interrupt. And by the way, you call me Chip all you want. We, we go way back before I had the dubious title of congressman. Um, <laughs> look, I, I'll just say this. I agree with you. And it, you say you, that you can say it more than I can. I say it all the time. I'm at, as much at war with the establishment Republican uh, infrastructure in Washington, those who have been selling us out for decades, for years. Look, I was there when they would stand up and say that a wall was a 19th century solution to a 21st century problem, and they were pushing an amnesty in 07 and 08, and again in 12 and 13, when Chamber of Commerce Republicans didn't want to secure the border because they wanted to stand on the side of a false notion of cheap labor. You know what? And I say that the open border is on Biden's 
hands. The blood is on his hands because it's so egregious that it is. But it's also on the hands of Republicans who for years were kowtowing to the Chamber of Commerce rather than standing up for a sovereign, secure border. It's also on Republicans who kept spending money we don't have and they don't care. It's for Republicans who had us in a war for 20 years without owning the fact that we were at war and standing up and making tough decisions on guns and butter instead of leveraging the future of our kids and grandkids. I could go on and on, but there are a lot of pro-life statists out there who run on being pro-life, but for the rest, the rest of their uh, policy choices, they are fine empowering the government to roll over our belief system. Yeah, totally, yeah, totally. And so the reason I think I could say for Chip and for myself, the reason we're emphasizing this is not to depress or discourage you. It's to sound the alarm. And I've been sounding that for a long time at this microphone. I've never been a friend to the Republican establishment and but now is the time that we can do something. There is an election coming up, and so uh, the Republican establishment are busy picking candidates, and you're going to have to be, I'm meaning you voters listening, are going to have to be really smart in this next election coming up, and you're going to have to look at voter guides. You're going to have to get organized where you live. The people we just uh, that I just read off need to go. They just need to go. I'm sorry. They need to go. And we need to support good candidates who've been well vetted. It's not impossible to do this. And so it's time to do that. And along with that, Chip, I just read, uh, you know, there's a whole redistricting effort going on. And the Republicans have formed their response to Eric Holder and all of his redistricting mess. But they put Chris Christie and Mike Pompeo in charge of this. Now, I can't speak to Mike on this issue, but I just remember Mike as sort of a rhino Republican when he was a a congressman in Kansas. I'm just saying he did some great things when he was secretary of state under President Trump, but he's also the other thing. And what they've done now, like in Ohio, the districting map that the Republican establishment is trying to draw is going to make Jim Jordan force him to go up ahead of a of a black uh, woman congressman. I don't she's a Democrat. I don't, don't remember her name. They're messing with conservatives once again. So I wouldn't give money to the Republican Party, give money to candidates directly, and make sure that you are in your community vetting these candidates very carefully. Okay, so I'm sorry, I took more time than I meant to do on that. But Chip, let's. You, I started out this segment by playing a clip of you talking about mandates. We've been, of course, discussing this a lot, and my listeners are just suffering you know, a lot of them are military. A lot of them are just, they work in hospitals. They are doctors. I mean, they're just so much angst out there. I'm sure you hear it all the time from your constituents. So when the Fifth Circuit issued their stay uh, over the weekend, and by the way, American Family Association was one of the two, along with Daystar Television, who First Liberty Institute filed the suit that uh, the U.S. Circuit Court, Fifth Circuit Court, responded to. Uh, now we hear that the Biden administration is going, you know, not so much don't listen to that. Uh, just go right ahead and vaccinate your employees. Just your comments about that and what in the world can we do about that? Well, uh, first of all, uh, if you're out there and you are concerned about losing your job, I understand it and I feel for you. And we're praying for the whole nation who's faced with this conundrum because of the unlawful, unconstitutional acts of this administration. But stand strong. There's a lot of governors out there who want to stand strong. I think the dam is breaking. We now have a Democrat governor who's saying that the, the vaccine mandates are not necessary. We're in court. We have a Fifth Circuit administrative stay. Even though Biden is saying he's not going to listen to this stay in court, you've got uh, people who are fighting. As you just pointed out, Sandy, in filing litigation, my friend Rob Henneke with the Texas Public Policy Foundation, a number of state attorneys general uh, who are arguing this stuff in court. Uh, I'm moving forward with uh, an effort to push my 
fellow colleagues in the House of Representatives uh, to uh, stand strong and not fund government, not vote for the continuing resolution in December uh, if, if these mandates stay in place, uh, encouraging senators to do the same. Uh, we should demand all of our members of Congress, all Republicans, should take that pledge, should stand up and say, I will not vote for another dollar for government funding as long as these mandates stay in place. That's where we need to have the fight. Force your, your representatives to stand strong and, and break the back of this tyrannical uh, president. So all right, I'm, I'm going to talk to Marsha Blackburn next week. I'm, I know that there's an effort by some, including you, uh, to not vote for any funding of these mandates. Do you know where that is in the House? Is there any official uh, legislation at all? Anybody doing anything officially? Well, you, it, it, to a degree, you really don't have legislation, right? Because what you're doing is you're saying when the continuing resolution comes before the House of Representatives, presumably okay. on December 3rd, then what we need are members who are going to say we will vote against that. Now, presumably, again, the Democrat majority will vote for it, right? And so we lose by six votes or whatever. But what we want to do is empower the Senate where they'd have to get the 60 votes. We want 10 Republicans. We, 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 we want to prevent 10 Republicans from going along with the Democrats, right? We need 41 Republicans to stand strong and say, we will not fund government as long as these mandates are in place. That's what is needed. And we should demand our, our, our Congress, members of Congress, should hold that same position to stand in solidarity with Republicans in the Senate. By the way, if you talk to uh, uh, Senator uh, Blackburn, just make sure to remind her that uh, drafting daughters is a bad thing, and she should actually, uh, support it when it comes. Back I up have that on my. Li- I actually have that on my list of things to talk to her about. As a matter of fact, I, you can take that to the bank. I will do that. One of the most egregious things to me that I see coming, and I know I think you have, still have small children, Chip, is this: um, there will be vaccine mandates for children. You know it's coming. You know it is. And I, I just, um, I just don't know. Uh, I, I don't even know how to think about that. Other than I just get furious. Surely that will stir uh, some of these Congress people uh, to fight back. Uh, just your thoughts about that? Well, if it doesn't, they need to be thrown out on their ears. I mean, let me just be very clear. We're at that time. We're at game time. Uh, all of the listeners out there, uh, come after me if I fail. Come after every member of Congress on this stuff. There is no place for the federal government to be involved with any of these mandates. Go out and toss these leaders out on their ears. This is game time. Stand up for your kids, your grandkids, and let's take back America. All right. Congressman Chip Roy, listen, we appreciate you so much, and God bless you. Um, we were, you know, there's a new university in your backyard that we talked about off air uh, that's kind of breaking free from the university establishment. Yep. And my understanding is they've got like 900 uh, professors in 24 hours that have been trying to contact them to come and so that's going to be in your backyard maybe it will change austin uh we can only hope so congressman chip boy thanks for joining us sandy rios in the morning on afr talk Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Why hasn't Dr. Fauci been fired? Why isn't he being held accountable? 
You know, early on, I started to see the contradictions, you know, within the first month or two of him becoming prominent in this. And I worried about, you know, him saying one thing and then saying another, saying things in private and then saying different things in public. But you're right, there hasn't been any accountability. And some of this has profound ramifications. One, the whole pandemic, three and a half million people died, may have come from a lab in China. A lot of the evidence, in fact, I think most of the evidence points in that direction now, and he funded that lab. But even worse than that, he sort of denied and obfuscated and sort of said, well, we funded it, but it wasn't gain of function. But many scientists are saying it was, where they were inventing and creating viruses that were animal viruses and making them more infective for humans. But then he was asked just last week, after all of this has come out, he was asked, do you trust the Chinese scientists? And I think it's rather naive to, to trust the Chinese government in a lot of things, but particularly after this has happened, and they haven't been honest with us, we've discovered some of their lab workers actually had probably COVID in November of that year in 2019. So I don't know, you're right, why hasn't he been fired? But it's become so partisan. It used to be once upon a time, Republicans and Democrats up here would say, well, we want people to be honest with us, we want them to be forthcoming, and if they don't give good advice, maybe they should go. But now, uniformly, Democrats want to defend him. It's become a partisan issue, so much so that I want to investigate still further what's going on with gain-of-function research mm -hmm. and his idea that it wasn't gain-of... I want that to be investigated by a committee, but I can't get a Democrat counterpart to let me have this investigated in the committees. That was the voice of Dr. Rand Paul, and that was an interview he did with Newsmax. It happened a few months ago, and um, it was such a terrible interview because he said unkind things about the king of all things COVID, Dr. Fauci. And so YouTube, uh, the controller of all kinds of videos, removed Rand Paul's video because you could not see that. You could not possibly listen to him criticize Dr. Anthony Fauci. Well, that's just one example of the way social media controls what you hear. Uh, a study has been done by MRC uh, Media Research Center recently about these social media uh, outlets, and I'm just going to pick on YouTube for a second. Their grade from uh, Media Research Center is uh, F, and I'll give you an illustration of why. A lot of uh, different clips and videos about Dr. Fauci have been removed. As a matter of fact, um, uh, they suspended right-side broadcasting for from uploading and posting new content or live streaming for an entire week uh, because they were planning to cover uh, former President Donald Trump's July 3rd Save America rally in Florida. And you could not possibly hear that. YouTube could not allow you to see that. So they banned them from coverage for a week. They always have reasons for this. They'll say uh, it's, uh, you know, they just it's just not appropriate. Uh, it's, it violates our policies. I asked Mark Meckler. He is the head of the Convention of the States. And according to a report from them, a screenshot indicated that YouTube removed the video of Mark Meckler, uh, who basically said, uh, let's see what he said. I think that Fauci has lost his mind. This guy's not a public servant. This guy's acting like a king. And uh, for that for that terrible thing, Mark's show was pulled from YouTube and the channel for Convention of the States uh, received a strike. And with enough strikes, Big Tech will have the excuse to totally shut down your channel. So uh, they also deleted a video of President Trump uploaded uh, by the American Conservative Union. I'm sure I was there when that happened. Uh, and then they banned the channel from uploading content for an entire week. They called uh, stuff about COVID-19 medical misinformation. They also took Emmanuel Baptist Church off the air twice. 
And that was a, the subject of an op-ed by the Wall Street Journal. I don't know why, but they alleged content violation. So we don't know. Uh, but then, of course, there's a lot more. They took down Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro's channel after he reportedly suggested, quote, using indigenous teas and unproven drugs such as chloroquine, which is hydroxychloroquine, to fight the virus. How dare he say such a thing, even though that is a medication used frequently in South America and Africa and really around the globe to fight uh, malaria and other diseases like that. But how dare he say that? So he had to be removed from YouTube, the president of Brazil. So um, YouTube also took new, uh, action against Sky News Australia. They banned them for seven days because Sky News Australia was encouraging viewers to take hydroxychloroquine. And this is what they said. YouTube said specifically, we don't allow content that denies the existence of COVID-19 or that encourages people to use hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin to treat or prevent the virus. We do not allow for videos that have sufficient countervailing context, which the violative violative videos did not provide. And of course, I could go on and on. Uh, we noticed that they don't censor secular or uh, organizations or like terrorists. Uh, they don't, they're not worried too much about that. But they are worried about anyone that says something bad about Anthony Fauci and, of course, about all the myriad of other things that we believe in. And that's why uh, American Family Association has taken an incredible step. Uh, we are removing ourselves from those platforms, and we are establishing a brand new platform from which we can speak to you, post videos, all of our products, and that's what I want to tell you about next. And to uh, to kind of explain that much better than I can is Walker Wyoman. Walker is the Vice President of Operations for the American Family Association, and he joins me in studio. Walker, thanks for joining me. Hey, Sandy. Good to be back on your show. So what's the what's the history of this with us? You know, give us the backdrop. I've just gone through a whole myriad of things that YouTube specifically has censored. What about our relationship with these platforms? Yeah, well, American Family Association, we've been uh, taken down from certain platforms. For example, we've had uh, videos on Vimeo, which is another video platform. We've had videos on Vimeo pulled down because they didn't like our messaging or our content. Um, also... The, we've had videos from YouTube taken down, and we've had videos from Facebook taken down, uh, and and then Amazon Prime as well. They would not accept our documentary in his image on Amazon Prime. So the list, we've got at least four platforms that would not take our content uh, or are actively pulling down our content. Uh, so the issues are far and wide as far as these platforms not allowing us to post content uh, on their platforms. And as always, they never give us specific uh, example of what we're doing wrong. They point us to like a 30-page terms and use uh, policy <laughs> uh, that's so vague that they can pretty much pull you down for anything. Uh, so what we're doing is we're launching our own video platform, and that's what I'm on here to talk about. Okay, so let's talk about that. Now, it's not up yet. We should make that clear, right? Not up yet today. Well, it is. It is. AFA streaming platform is up and running. So what we're doing today is we have AFA streaming up and running where we upload content. For example, all of our documentaries, such as In His Image, The God Who Speaks, so on and so forth, all of those documentaries are uploaded to the video platform. Uh, all of our Cultural Institute series are uploaded. 
And then we're uploading our daily shows on the platform as well. We're adding about a show a week. Uh, so my wow. show, AFA at the Core, is up on the platform. So folks can go and watch it after we upload it. So it's I want to be clear, it's not a live streaming option, meaning you can't go watch uh, AFA at the Core live. Instead, you go after the show when we upload it and watch it there. But then next year in 2022, we're going to come up uh, and launch a live streaming option. Okay, so if people want to find this, where, where do they find it? Yes, if they'll just go to streaming.afa.net, so streaming.afa.net, if they go to that URL, they can, they'll be prompted to create a free account or they can create a paid account, whichever one they decide to do, um, and they create an account. And then once they create an account, username and password, they have access to all of our content there. Wow. So, so in other words, like the movies in his image, the documentaries, are the movies also? Uh, Walker, just curious, because mm-hmm. we've made a lot of great movies. Will they be there also? Yes. Everything that AFA owns Ryan and has DeFratis? produced. Yep. Ryan DeFratis, <laughs> Secret Agent. Oh, all, boy. <laughs> all the episodes of Ryan DeFratis are up there in his image, The God Who Speaks, um, and the list goes on, A Paper Dream. We have tons of documentaries and content there that is all on the video platform. And if you have a free account, you can watch certain content. But if you if you make a donation, a monthly donation online uh, to American Family Association, then you get access to everything. And you can live stream on up to five devices if you donate monthly. So you, you can be watching on one device, and then your kids can be over here watching Ryan DeFreddy's in the other room <laughs> up to five devices. Now that sounds like a winning plan to me. It's, so it's streaming.afa.net. There's two dots, right? Yeah, that's right. Streaming.afa.net, and then right there is the homepage. You can log in or create an account, and you'll have access to all of our content. Um, and then in 2022, we're going to launch, and hopefully in early 2022, in a, in a couple months, we're going to launch a live streaming option. So, for example, uh, all of our live daily radio shows, some of them that do video, they'll be up there. Uh, when we have special events or election coverage, that'll all be live streaming on the video platform. So it's really going to make us, Sandy, completely independent from all these other major uh, big tech platforms. We'll have our own, and we have now our own video platform that we built and that we manage. Well, that's great. That's great because I do dread the day, and I've said this to my audience, uh, when you know you will, it'll just go silent because we know that's going to happen, Walker. They're not going to stand when I say they, who's they? The left, uh, the, the shall we say, the Brandon administration, all of the leftists who stand behind him, they're not going to allow conservative radio to continue. Now, they're not imminently, as far as we know, going to pull the plug, but they will certainly do that because we are such an opposition to them because we speak the truth. But in inside circles in D.C., Walker, there's a lot of discussion about these social media platforms. It's not just, of course, YouTube. It's you know, Facebook and Vimeo, all the things you just mentioned. Um, and so um, many people feel that it's better to stay on everything right now, like stay on all, all the other platforms, even though they censor so much, but then branch out, be on all of them. And then, of course, cre- cre- like we've created a new one. Do you agree with that? Well, I think I think being on those platforms is fine as long as you don't mind your message being brought down every three months or whenever you say something that they don't approve of. Um, the The problem is is we don't need to be reliant on these third party platforms that are run by leftist um, 
uh, we don't need to rely on them to get our message out to the public. We need to rely on our own platforms and other on other conservative friendly platforms uh, to get our message out. And you know, if people want to stay on both, if they want to stay on Facebook and Twitter and other and YouTube, but also be on these other conservative platforms, I think that's fine. But uh, the, I, I don't. I really. I genuinely don't believe Washington is really going to do anything meaningful to fix this, uh, because because th- th- that would take a major- that would take sixty senators in the U.S. Senate and a majority in the House and the White House to sign legislation to fix this platform, uh, this this issue with these platforms picking and choosing which content goes on their on their public platform, and I just don't see that happening. Um, so I think we need to be building our own conservative ecosystem in the meantime. Well, I think so too. I think this is a great, a smart move. I think the argument that some might make is uh, that when we only peel off to our own platform, if that's all we do, and I'm not talking about conservatives in general, mm-hmm. then there's all those people that are never going to go to that, that you're trying to reach that never will hear that. And I think that's part of the reasoning, but it is a complex time. Walker, it's hard because other social media plat- platforms are springing up and they're becoming so many of them. Yeah. It's difficult. You know, when you see somebody's footprint on social media, it's got like 12, what, 10, 12 different TikTok and mm-hmm. I don't know, just, you know, it's very, very hard to keep up with it all. I guess this is kind of a transition time until, God willing, we land on some platforms that are really good yeah. uh, and uh, are free and fair. Yeah. The problem is, is that our message really isn't getting out to the other side on those platforms very much because they've got these algorithms built in on the back end of these sites that 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 hinder your message so much where you have like five people. Let's say you've got 20,000 followers, maybe like 10 people actually see your post. Um, uh, so, so we're really not reaching as many people as we think we are on these left-wing platforms, um, but we get this impression that somehow we are. Uh, but, but, you know, if people want to stay on those platforms, that's fine. But I think where we're heading at in America is we're going to get to a point where they won't even let us on those platforms. And that's what we're seeing today, where they're just pulling, yanking people down like the president of the United States to where they can't even be on the platform. So that's why we need alternative options. Absolutely. I totally agree. And uh, so if you're interested in this, and I hope you are, go to streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net, and uh, either sign up to be a subscriber where you can access everything. And AFA has produced some incredible things. If you don't know, you're, you're just about to find out. And some of them you can get for free if you don't want to join uh, with a monthly gift. So uh, Walker Wildman, again, the Vice President of Operations. Walker, thank you so much. Thanks for all your work on this, and thanks for joining me this morning. This is C.D. Rios. In the morning on AFR Talk.